we all have values and we all have a belief system, right? Until it starts to poke uh, at our selfishness and our selfish desires. Like, like we, so many people will stand strong on Scripture. This is what I believe Scripture says until it all of a sudden, you know, doesn't work in their favor. Well, now all of a sudden I believe a different way. And we go out and we find groups of people that believe that and go, this is what I'm going to hitch my wagon to. You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Good morning, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here. I don't know if, um, if you're here for the first time. I also want to just say thanks for being here. Thanks for coming and spending time with us for whatever reason that you're here. If you've come and you're just looking for community, I hope that you can find it. Uh, and I would say uh, grab a hold of it. So if you're coming and, and if you've been here for a while, if you're new and you're just waiting for somebody to approach you, let me just tell you, everybody's waiting for that same thing. So just take it upon yourself and get to know the people around you and uh, go have a donut after service and coffee and spend some time together. Uh, we'd love to, to have you turn to Matthew chapter 22 as we're walking through the gospel of Matthew that we can understand the life of Jesus uh, so that we can live like Jesus. That's who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to be like our teacher, like our leader, like our King, our Lord, our God, our Savior. Um, today, obviously, if you didn't know that, uh, is, it's kind of a big day. Super, if you will. I don't think I'm allowed to say what it is because we're on TV and I get sued and I'll spend the day in jail. So uh, there's a very big game that's coming up uh, later on today. And uh, one of the things that gets overlooked a lot of times, just to kind of help set the stage for where I want to go today, is uh, there's a pretty big event that takes place right away. Actually, tonight it will be at 527. Uh, there will be uh, representatives from each team that will meet in the center of the field and they'll be there with all sorts of people and uh, the referee will come out and he's going to show a coin and, and he's going to ask the, the Chiefs, I believe it is this year, uh, heads or tails. Um, and, and whatever happens with the flip of that coin uh, could very well determine the outcome of, of all that takes place for the rest of the game. And so you don't think about it, but in all the strategy and all the planning and all the team practices, coaches actually have to sit in a room with some of these players and go, okay, if it lands heads, here's what we want to do. Here's what you're going to choose. And they have to actually, their entire game plan comes out of this choice uh, that they make. There's, uh, it's crazy. I, I, I spent uh, too much time looking into this. Uh, over the last couple of weeks. But if you Google the Super Bowl coin toss, there are over five and a half million results that you can go through because uh, it's one of, uh, not that I condone this at all, but it's one of the biggest bets that you can make, I guess, uh, in Vegas on how the coin's going to land. But it, then, it, then it goes out from there. Is it going to be, if it's going to land heads or if it's going to land tails, which team and wh- how's the team, what's the team going to choose? Are they going to receive the ball? Are they going to kick off? Are they going to defer to the next half? There's all of this that goes into this, which is why I say I love soccer so much better. There's just, you know... 110 million people will watch the Super Bowl today, and people say it's the greatest, it's the biggest game in the world. The World Cup final is one and a half billion people that watch it. So football fans, settle down, all right? We'll choose the real football. Uh, so, uh, so this coin toss is, 
is going to take place. And, and actually, the outcome of that decision is going to really determine, could determine, uh, the outcome of the game and impact millions of people. Today, what we're going to look at is an interaction that Jesus has with more uh, opposition. It just keeps coming at him. He's now in really the last week of his ministry. It's the last week of his life. We're into Passion Week now. As we've been studying, Jesus comes into Jerusalem uh, on Lamb Selection Day, and, and the Pharisees automatically, they just come up to him and say, you need to tell this crowd to be quiet. They need to stop praising you, stop worshiping you. And then it just goes on from there. Last week, we took a look at Jesus sharing these parables about authority and where he gets his authority and how he is able to preach what he preaches and teach what he teaches and do the miracles that he does. And over and over and over again, the religious leaders, and now it's all of them. We've got scribes, we've got Pharisees, we've got the Sadducees, we've got the the priests in the temple. Today, there's another group uh, that we add to the mix that's going to result in Ultimately, Jesus' arrest, his death, uh, that we know is ordained by God, planned out by God so that he could rescue and save us. And as I've said over and over again, I love Jesus doesn't put up a fight. He just keeps speaking truth, knowing full well of what the result is going to be and it's how it's going to cost uh, him his life. So this is what happens, Matthew 22 Uh, Starting in verse 15, Um, what has taken place, as I said, Jesus has given these parables, but what we need to understand is he always ends these parables with a direct kind of statement to these religious leaders. And he had ended this parable about the vineyard by just saying, uh, the kingdom of heaven is going to be taken away from you. What would you do if somebody would say something like that to you? I know what I would do. I'd get my life together. Because I, I wouldn't want that. But the way that they have been living and the way that they have been really just, they're, they're hypocrites. Jesus says, you have nothing in your life to show that, that you actually have a true faith in God. That you have a desire to obey Him. And, and so He just says, the kingdom is going to be taken away from you. Tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, they're going to make it into the kingdom of heaven before you. They're going to take your place. Man, they were angry. Which explains how this begins in verse 15. If you would, let's stand together. Let me read this for you. Then the Pharisees went. In other words, they left the temple. This is where Jesus was teaching in the temple. They, they went and they plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and you teach the way of God truthfully and you do not care about anyone's opinion and you're not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus was aware of their malice and he said, Why do you put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. So they brought him a denarius. Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is on this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and they went away. Father, this is your word. I'm asking God that you would give me fresh words to say um, that that would uh, 
make an impact, not because I've said them, but because, God, you are doing a work in each and every one of our hearts. We want to understand you more. We want to know how we can be uh, true disciples of Jesus. We want to be able to worship you even louder, understanding the fullness of our salvation. Uh, we want to learn from the mistakes of others in the past, God. There's so much that is wrapped up in a small text like this, but it is your word. It's living. It's active. It's huge. It's life-changing. So change our lives today, Father. Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> so, uh, I just, just want to use this, this, this theme uh, today of this coin toss. At the beginning, there are going to be these two opposing forces. It's the last time before these grown men start smashing into each other and fighting and throwing each other around. It's the last time that they're going to get together and bef- until the end of the game to shake hands and congratulate each other for making it there. They're going to join at center field with sometimes as dignitaries and military leaders and sometimes presidents even show up and celebrities and there's this kind of huddled mass of people uh, really for the last time just relaxed and smiling before it just all goes into chaos for the coin to be tossed. So let me just try to help this morning, take this text and try to make heads or tails of it. (laughs) I know. My daughter would be crawling under the pew right now. So right away, uh, what we get is this, this picture gets painted. The Pharisees are angry at what Jesus has said, and they, they're just fueled in their anger again. We have got to get rid of this guy. We've been following them all the way from the beginning. Before Jesus even shows up on the scene, they're standing uh, on the sidelines watching John the Baptist baptize people, calling them to repentance because they're saying the kingdom of heaven is near, and the Pharisees weren't having it. They were not preparing themselves for the coming of the Savior, and the entire three years that Jesus' ministry takes place, the Pharisees continue to reject him as the Savior and Lord, and they just saw him as a threat. He was a threat to, to, to their authority. He was a threat to their popularity. He was a threat to their financial stability. Because if, if, if he's the Messiah and he's, what he's speaking is true, then everything that we've been doing really... I mean, Jesus always pushed back against them. Right? As in his teaching, he said, you have heard it said. In other words, your religious leaders have told you this is how you interpret Scripture this way. And Jesus says, but I say to you, he says, I'm giving you the right way. And everything that he did was like pushing them further and further into the shadows. And they wanted him dead. So they decide that they leave and they go out, out of the temple. And they're trying to figure out, okay, how can we get this guy? I don't know what kind of existence that, that is. That, that, for a person, that the truth is right in front of them. The, the right thing is right in front of them. God in the flesh is right in front of them, and they cannot see it. They're so blind that they just decide, we, they're just obsessed with, how do we get rid of him? That's the question. So that we can maintain our power, that we can maintain our position. All they cared about was themselves. So they go out, they try to plot on how they can create a snare, entangle, a snare for him. We don't care what it's going to take. We don't care if it's, if, if it's about integrity or character or anything. We need to get him to mess up so that we can find him guilty. We can make him disappear. And so you've heard the phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. 
And so that's what takes place. The Pharisees went out. First of all, they get their disciples, it says. They, they, they already know that they can't beat Jesus, and Jesus knows their face. So they're like, well, look, we got to put some fresh, fresh faces in front of them. Let's send our disciples. Let's tell them what they should say, and they should go to Jesus because it's going to look like there's more people now that are against him. And so they work with their disciples about, here's what you're going to say to him to try to get him to say the, the wrong thing. And, and they also go and they, they find this other group called the Herodians. Now, here's what we need to understand about this. So if you bear with me some history uh, for a, a while. The Pharisees, as we know, as we've been studying, they were all about the law, sticking true to the way that they interpreted uh, the law. And anything that went against what they believed was their interpretation of the law was wrong. And so Jesus had been telling them that the kingdom of heaven is going to be taken away from you. You don't have it right. They go off and make these plans because they believed that Jesus was not correctly living into the scripture that he wrote. And they decided that outside of the holy law, that there cannot be any other law that tells them how to live. So because of the Roman oppression and the Romans telling them how to live and implementing their laws, they just said, I'm sorry, but we can't follow you at all because we only answer to God. And so we, we, we can't follow Roman law. So they go off and enlist the help of the Herodians. See, about 60 years before Christ, there was a Roman military leader. His name was Pompey. He invaded the nation of Israel that had been given to the nation, of given to the people by God. Centuries before, generations had passed. And, and they had been living in this, in this land and governing themselves, running it themselves. Well, Pompey comes and he invades and all of a sudden the Romans start to take over. And not only that, but the Greek culture starts to seek in. It gets Hellenized, that's what it means. And the, the true Jews who have, who have stayed true and tried to stay true and faithful to God are angry about this. You have no right to be ruling over our nation. And so no, we're not going to see you as our rulers. To do anything that, that even it looks remotely like we're obeying you. We are absolutely against it. So you had one group, the Pharisees, who were saying, absolutely not. We will not move. And then you've got uh, other Jews who had been Hellenized. And, and they're like, they submit to the authority of Rome. And they're trying their best to live into what God wants. And then you've got people at the other end of the spectrum that are just like, look, we're, we're just all in. We like, we like the, the Greek culture. We like the, the Greek pagan religions. And we like what they give us. And so there's a wide range of of people as they view what it means to be under Roman leadership. Well, about 20 years after Pompey invades, there is a family, that the Herods, that Herod the king was half Jewish by conversion and through marriage, and so the Jews didn't like him at all because they didn't see him as one of their own, and he was a friend of a guy by the name of Mark Antony. And so the Roman Empire really had a lot of influence in Herod. They put him in charge, kind of this half-Jew king over Israel to try to appease everybody, and it really only made matters worse. And it was not long after 
Herod was made kind of the, the king over Judea, uh, Flavius Josephus, the, one of the ancient historians, uh, said that Caesar sent a man, his name was Cyrenius, to come and, and, and take uh, an account of all of the Jews in the nation and all of their property. And then uh, a census should be taken, um, which we read about at the, the time of the birth of Christ. That it wasn't just about where do you live and how many of you are in your household, but the census was actually to pay a, a tax back to the Caesars for allowing you the privilege to live in your land. The property that you have, the house that you own, how many people are in your family, you then every year you would pay an annual tax back to Rome for really, the Jews felt like, for nothing. We're paying you for living in, on property that we had before you even showed up. But they were in charge, and so you had to pay the tax. Well, the Pharisees hated this. They saw this as nothing more than, you just made us nothing but slaves. That, that we just are we're giving you money for uh, no reason. But there was another group of people. Uh, the Herod, the Herodians, they were, they were Jews who followed the ways of Herod and submitted to, more than willingly, to the rule of Rome, actually found a way to kind of side up with Herod so they could somehow financially benefit from this. And so the, the, the true-hearted Jewish people really didn't like the Herodians at all because they saw them as traitors to their nation. And, and really the text that was used, the, the the, the scripture that was used to, to drive all this in the hearts of the Jewish people came from Deuteronomy 17, 15, where God had said, I'm giving you a land, and it's yours for you to, to occupy and to own and to enjoy, and you're going to want to have a king. If you choose a king, you need to make sure he's one of you, my chosen people. Do not place a foreigner over uh, yourselves in leadership. I'm your God. I've chosen you. I've given you this land. And so, so don't choose for yourself uh, any foreign ruler. Now, the Jewish people didn't have a choice in what happened, but they did have a choice on whether or not they were going to, uh, to fully allow the culture of the Greeks to seep in. So you had this warring group of leaders. You had the Pharisees who said, absolutely not pay no homage to Caesar, and then you had the Herodians who were all in and had kind of forgotten about their past. And somehow the Pharisees were like, all right, we can't do this on our own. Let's go get the Herodians. Let's gather them. Let's have them go and approach Jesus, and let's see what happens. It's amazing to me. I, I guess I, it's amazing, but at the same time, we're all at times... Uh, guilty of it. The level at which the Pharisees are willing to go to, to get rid of Jesus. Their intent was to get him to indict himself so they could deliver him uh, to Herod really as a disturber of the peace. We need to get him to admit, we need to get him to admit that and, and say out loud that you, that you should not pay taxes because then uh, Herod's going to get rid of him. He, he's, he's a traitor. And he's a, a usurper. He's riling up the crowd. So they'll kill him. So let's get the Herodians on our side. And if he says that, that we should pay taxes, well, then, then we've got it. We'll, we'll catch him as a heretic. And we're we're going to nail this guy one way or, or another. Uh, what's amazing to me, the, 
sinful nature, that we all have values and we all have a belief system, right? Until it starts to poke uh, at our selfishness and our selfish desires. Like, like we, so many people will stand strong on Scripture. This is what I believe Scripture says until it all of a sudden, you know, doesn't work in their favor. Well, now all of a sudden I believe a different way. And we go out and we find groups of people that believe that and go, this is what I'm going to hitch my wagon to. There's a viral video that's out right now uh, of a woman uh, preaching. And she says, uh, she's reading from 1 Corinthians. And she says, notice I didn't read that second verse. Because that second verse is ick. It, 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 it just makes us too uncomfortable, doesn't it? And, and the Apostle Paul was kind of being a jerk there. And so here in our, in our church family, we just, we avoid things like that. Are you kidding me? It, scripture is true to me until it makes me uncomfortable, right? Is that, is that absolutely not? Scripture is true 100% whether, whether we like it or not. It's not a matter of does it work in my favor. It's do I work in the favor of Scripture? Am I, am I, am I allowing myself to be under that authority to let God's Word truly speak? Because if you think that God's Word is ick, uh, I think that, I mean, what we've been studying week after week after week is Jesus saying, look, if you don't, if you don't want to live into God's Word, then you don't have to. But then don't come crying in the end when, when, you, when you see people who actually do repent, who actually do follow God's Word um, in receiving the kingdom of heaven and you are rejected because you love this earth far too much. It's amazing. That they, the, the Pharisees hate the Herodians, but because they'll benefit them, then they're willing to partner up to destroy Jesus. Proverbs 24, 21, My son, fear the Lord and the King, and do not join with those who do otherwise, for disaster will arise suddenly from them, and who knows the ruin that will come from both. That is one of the greatest passages that explain kind of this passion week. Be careful who you partner up with. Make sure that they're moving in the same direction that God desires for you to move. And if they're going to steer you wrong, you run away. Well, Jesus calls it out. So these two teams are going to meet at, at, at center field. All the people are going to be around. The coin's going to go up in the air and somebody is going to call uh, heads or tails. And they're going to watch, and they're going to watch it drop and, and watch it fall to the ground. And then a the decision is going to ha have to be made. Would you like to kick? Would you like to receive? Would you like to defer? Which direction would you like to go? Uh, of the last 57 Super Bowls, 30 times it's landed on tails. 27 times it's landed on heads, right? It's a 50-50 odds. Um, the longest streak is five years in a row from Super Bowls 43 to 47, of it landing on heads. And last year, the Chiefs actually broke a streak of uh, the winner of the toss. Had uh, pre eight Super Bowls prior to that, every team that had won the coin flip had lost the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs kind of broke that. It's all random, right? And doesn't really matter in the end anyway. But there is, uh, you've got to call it out you got to be ready in the hopes that it's going to fall 
your way. And so they kind of call it out. They're, they just they butter Jesus up with the words, hoping that it's going to fall. Something's going to be produced out of it. And Jesus, he calls it out. He says, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. I know what you're trying to do to me, right? They, they start with a little bit of flattery. Teacher, we know that you're true and you teach the way of God truthfully and you, you don't care about anybody's opinion. You're not swayed by appearances. <laughs> this is, it's, just, they're, it's amazing that they're lying. They're making this up because they're like, this is what we know. We just got to get up close to him. So, and again, it's the disciples of the Pharisees. So you know that these, these Pharisees are back there. Okay, here's what you need to do. The first thing you need to do, because you're going to be in the temple and a lot of people are going to be listening. And so you, you got to kind of first need to go in and earn your right to be heard. So, so say things like he's true and everything he t- teaches is right and, and that he doesn't care about what people think. He's no respecter of persons, right? It doesn't matter. He doesn't care about people's opinions. That's what you need to say. And, and, and so they do. And, and Jesus knows what it is that they're trying to do and trying to flatter him the amazing thing is is that in their like what their attempt at like just say it they're actually speaking 100 truth about who jesus is he is true he does teach the word of god faithfully and truthfully he doesn't care about people's opinions and he is no respecter of persons everybody gets the love of christ he, he's he's hanging out with sinners and he's hanging out with the religious elite they ask, so tell us what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? See, they didn't. Believe, this is still going with the authority of Jesus, but not this understanding that he's God and he actually wrote the word. And so if they would know the word, that's why he has to keep asking, have you heard it? Have you read? Have you heard it said? But he wrote the word of God in Proverbs 29.5 says, a man who flatters his neighbor is only spreading a net for his feet. Jesus knows it. You're fla- oh, I get it. You're flattering me because you're trying to trap me. I-, I know where this is going. I know what it is that you're trying to do. He knew what was coming. And he was aware, it says, of their malice or their wickedness, their sin. And so he says, why do you put me to the test, you hypocrites? And the test that he's referring to is, is that they, they wanted a yes or no answer. Ask the question in such a way that, that it's yes or no. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Yes uh, or no. Either one is going to get him into trouble. Right? To, to, to say that, that you had to pay taxes to Caesar, the Pharisees were going to come after him, and to say that you don't have to pay taxes, the Herodians are going to go back, they're going to report it to Herod, and Jesus is going to get arrested for treason. So he knows what they're doing, and he calls it out. Because that's what you do. You call out wickedness. You call out hypocrisy. We call out sin. It's what we do. In the body of Christ, it's what we do. But it's also, listen, it's what we also receive. Look, you're trying to present yourself. You know, I understand. We're all trying to grow. We want to be more and more like Christ. But we can't be any more like Christ than we allow ourselves to be. You cannot force it. you got to ask him to work in your life. And so as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ, I'm just here to help you grow. So, so when in those moments, we, we should receive it, right? They were offended. Oh, dare he call us a hypocrite? They were, but we're the same way. How dare somebody call me a hypocrite? And I go, you know what, man, I am, I was, 
I'm sorry. I need God's help. His grace is to do better. Jesus just calls it out. You profess to be doing good, right? You're putting on a front when in reality your whole goal is to kill me. So there's a choice that needs to be made as Jesus gives this answer. And, and that choice needs to be made wisely. He says, show me the coin for the tax. This, this tribute tax that is given was, could only be paid with a Roman denarius because of the metal that it was made up in. And it had uh, Caesar's image on one side of it and an inscription at the time of Jesus, the son of the divine Caesar. Because again, the emperors by the people, uh, because they declared it, were considered to be gods. Just as much as all the gods that they worship, your power, and, and people worshiped the emperor. And so to say that he's the son of the divine Caesar says that Caesar is what? He, that he's the son of God. That, 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 that was what his claim was. People didn't want to pay the tax. A good God-fearing Jew would refuse to even touch that coin because it was considered it was like an idol. They, they, that's why they hated the tax collectors, because tax collectors had piles of these coins, and you'd go to them to make the exchange, and you, but you didn't even want to have it around. It's why when Jesus says, uh, somebody give me, the, uh, give me the coin that's used for the tax, it says what, that they had to bring one to him, because no good Jew would even carry that coin in their pocket into the holy temple. They wanted nothing to do with it. Jesus says, so... So give me the coin. And he says, whose likeness is on this? And the people respond, well, it's Caesar. On it is his likeness. It's his image. It's his coin. He determined the value of it. He determined how it would be used. The question that was asked, is it lawful to pay? And Jesus' response is not to pay it. He says that you render to Caesar what is Caesar. In other words, you you." You give back what is owed. You, 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 enjoy, you enjoy the roads that, that are provided by this tax, right? By, by this leader. You enjoy the peace and the protection of the state. You might not love everything they do. You don't even love the God that they worship, that you believe that they're pagans. But you sure enjoy the life that Caesar actually gives you that's pretty comfortable. And... and and it's his image that is on that coin. And if he's in charge and he's asking for that back, well, then it's his. Give it to him. Pay what is owed. The difference between paying and rendering is give for what you're going to get in return or give back what belongs to them already. This belongs to him. Give it back to him. It's his image on the coin. And if he's asking for it in return then give it. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14, be subject, this is, this is key, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors that are sent by him. For the Lord's sake. In other words, as we submit to any authority that is placed over us, we are, if, if our heart is where it needs to be, it's, Look, if this, is, if this is for God's glory, in His name, 
If, it's, if he's the one that has given it to us, then we'll submit to it. Paul says in Romans 13, be subject to governing authorities over you because they've been instituted by God. He goes on to say that if you resist authority, you resist God. And so Paul says, so pay taxes to those whose taxes are owed. Because he says authorities are ministers of God who are attending to these things. Understanding that everything is God's, including His divine will to have leaders appointed over us. For whatever His reasoning is, the people that He allows to rule over us, Paul, Peter, Jesus, all say the same thing. It honors God when you respect authority. I'll just add to it too, because I think it needs to be said. If you cannot for God's glory, because what you are being commanded to do directly goes in opposition of God's clear plan in Scripture, then we can't do it. What we're called to be is discerning as to which areas of our life Caesar has no right to dictate. What's aggravating as much as it is interesting, if you look at the trial of Jesus in Luke chapter 23, um, they're not able to trap Jesus. We find it in, in this text. But when they stand before Pilate, the Pharisees actually flat out lie. And, and they, they tell Herod, they said, we brought this man uh, to you because we found that he's misleading our nation and he's forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. That's what Jesus was arrested on, a flat out lie. He had said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. It's, it's just earthly stuff. Let the man have back what, is it, what it is that he's asked for because he's in charge and, and every authority is placed in authority over us by God. And so we honor God by doing it. And then they go to Herod and go, this guy says that we shouldn't pay any tribute to, to you as our authority. And it was a flat-out lie. May we, may we never twist the words of Jesus for our own selfish gain. Then Jesus goes on to say, render to God the things that are God's. The word that is used, Matthew's gospel written in Greek, is that the, the title for God is Theos, and it means the supreme deity, the divine magistrate, exceeding above all others. You can see where we're going with this. Because on the one side of the coin is Caesar, the emperor, who believes that he is the son of God, that he is a God in himself. And so Jesus is saying, first of all, what he's saying to, to, to the Jewish people, he's saying, don't think that by paying a tax to an authority that's been placed over you is in some way uh, desecrating God or, or disobedient to him. You live, you're aliens in this world. There's another world that God has for you. But while you're here, live the life that you need to live. And in the life that you live, by respecting and honoring the authorities that are over you, you're proclaiming that you are one who is able to submit to a much bigger God who's in control over all things. Jesus, in all of his teaching, never pushes back against the government. He doesn't spend his time, you know, slandering it and all of that. He just, he just says, I care about hearts. doesn't matter who's 
in charge over you on this human world. What matters is, are you going to honor God with everything that you do? Why spend so much time focused on politics when Jesus says, I want you to be like me. There's a world that needs me. I'm the one that saves the world, not not any human here on this earth. And so Jesus says, give to God what is God's. If we look at it in the same vein as this front side of the coin, give back to the one whose image has been placed on you, on all things. See, the other side of that coin, the denarius had one side, it was emperor Caesar. The other side was, uh, it had different, there were, there were kind of different variants of it, but uh, that, that is, on the other side, one of the, the high priests of, of the Greek religion, and on some of the coins is, is a, a, a temple. I think, it's not, it's not said here clearly in this passage, I think Jesus held up that coin and said, give to Caesar what is Caesar, and he showed whose inscription is engraved on this. Whose image is on this? And I think he kind of flipped it and said, uh, kind of this idea that people would have then is this temple that was there and, and this understanding of, of uh, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You are now, because of what Jesus is going to do for us, are now are all priests. Whose image is stamped. Give to God what is God's. You, yourself, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There is a higher authority than the people that are here on this earth. There is a greater authority who has placed authority over you and you are to honor him and to live into how he wants you to live and you give back to him everything that that his name is on, which is it's written on our hearts of Him calling us our own. Render to God the things that are God's. Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord, everything within it. Jesus says, Give to Caesar what is His. What His image is on and give to God what His image is on which throws us back to Genesis 1.27 at the very beginning when God creates the world out of nothing. He decides his own creativity, his own mind. I'm going to create stars. I'm going to call them stars. I'm going to create a sun, and I'm going to, I'm going to call it a sun, and it's going to give off heat to, to provide existence. The mind of God is absolutely baffling. He creates the world and water and plants and trees and leaves and animals, and then he decides, I'm going to create one more creature, but this one is going to be different than everything else I've made. I'm going to make this one in my image. What that really means, ultimately, is it's kind of this idea of a shadow. I'm going to create one who is going to reflect who I am. Wherever they are, whatever they do, that's my design for them, is that, is that they are going to be not me, not my power, but they're going to be a reflection on this planet that I have created. They're the ones that are going to give me glory by the lives that they live and I'm going to stamp my image on them, each and every one of us, for my glory. 
which says a lot about the value of each and every life that is around us and our own lives. We're the only created beings that are made in the image of God for a purpose and a reason. We can't just sit back and think that we're great. Oh, I'm made in God's image. How beautiful am I? No, it's for a purpose and a reason. It's to reflect how great He is. In all that we do, give to those that are, that are over our authority of us what it is that they ask for, what they deserve. But ultimately, never forget that there is one who has stamped His image on you. And you render everything to Him. I hope that our response today to Jesus' words would be the same as His opposition. Marvel. That we would just be blown away. That, that's what they were. They couldn't believe it. He didn't give a yes or no answer. He gave something a thousand times better where they just walked away and went, wow, we've never thought of it that way. He was speaking identity into people. He, he was speaking submission to people. He was speaking to people about the power of God. All they wanted was a yes or no so they could have him killed and they walked away not knowing what to do with them because they didn't know what to do with their own lives. May we be filled today with wonder that God would create us and out of everything in this world, He would desire to use us to proclaim His glory the loudest. He puts His stamp on us, His own image, and He's the one that says, look, I provide everything for you. I'm giving you everything you need in this life and for the next. I'm sending you my one and only Son, and you've received it. This life and life abundant, and so God says, so I'm asking that you would just give back to me what my name is already on, and that's how we live in obedience. We honor, respect all authority that's placed over us, but we give glory to the ultimate authority. His desire is that we would see Jesus as king, and we would let him be over our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your beautiful word. Thank you for the treasures that we can dig out of it. We just ask that we could, we could just be faithful by living into the truth of your word, God. It is our desire that we would know it better so that we could live it better, so that your name could be heard better. We love you. Amen.